You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Live from Armory Studios in Central Florida, you're listening to Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Drop all gas, no break. And now... Give it up for your hosts, CJ, Kevin, Jimmy, and Harrison. Take it away, boys. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, CJ the Painkiller D. Simone. A little bit of a somber episode this evening as we do have some news that broke uh, in the middle of the day yesterday, which we will talk about here on the show. Um, I do want to introduce you to our squadron. Um, right now, let me introduce you to our main regulars here. Um, seated directly to my right, your left on the screen, Jimmy the Reaper Jardine. Welcome back from your brief hiatus. And then just below me, right over here to my uh, to my right, uh, Mr. Harrison, the Fireball Glazer, our rookie test pilot. Gentlemen, how are you? Well, man. As well as can be. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I mean, it, it, the, the news sucks. I'm very sad about everything that's going on. But otherwise, personally good. So that's good. Yeah, I, I think right now, you know, everyone is um, just as, uh, trying to deal and, and do the best that they can with, with the news that we've just received. And, and for that... We brought on tonight two very special guests, again, under probably the most ridiculous conditions. Because you guys know we love to have fun here on the Weapons Hot Show. Uh, uh, but tonight, um, it's kind of taken a little bit more of a somber term. But we are going to take a look toward training camp as training camp opens up on Tuesday. Let me introduce you to our, to our guests. Uh, directly to my right, Mr. Jeremy Cravat. Jeremy, thank you for coming to the show. Uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, please. Well, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, been a Jets fan since 1982. <clears throat> um, moved out to Sacramento, California, 2016. It's kind of how I found um, all this Jets family on YouTube because I got no Jets family around here. So I'm kind of uh, just a couple. So I'm kind of all by myself out here. But um, yeah, man, i um, been... Big fan of this show. I've been working, doing some blogging, and it's just love being here with you guys. I'm sorry that my first time has to be, you know, in a situation like this where we lose a coach and a, and a man, you know, that's we were just welcoming in and, you know, starting to look forward to seeing what he could do. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's not really um, <clears throat> not really happy day uh, in, in the New York Jets organization. Um, that, as we're, we're obviously going to talk a little bit more, uh, more about that. But now I also want to introduce our second special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, you guys know him as at BoyGreen25 on Twitter. He is also the host of the Manchild Show on 1260 ESPN. Is that correct? The score 1260. Okay. Cumulus, yep. Okay. And also the host of the Jet Zone podcast on Sports War Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to introduce... Mr. Paul Boy Green Edson Jr. 
Thank Paul, you, everybody. Th- I appreciate being here. I know uh, CJ's been trying to get me on. My people talking to his people, trying to find a way to get me on the show. So I've been making a media tour lately, and of course, I got a, a weapons hot, baby. What what am I doing? So as everyone's already mentioned, again, you know, obviously a very somber mood. Uh, I know this is a show that likes to have a lot of fun. Anyone who watches this show absolutely knows that, and we'll have a lot of that today. But uh, certainly, obviously, our thoughts and, and prayers are with Nap's family, his beautiful wife, Charlotte, and their beautiful three daughters uh, that are survived in this situation as they're here. And they're, they have to deal with this loss, just like all of us. Jets Nation has to deal with this ourselves, but obviously their family, uh, first and foremost. And I'll just say this kind of off the top. I know we're going to talk about Nap, but, you know, I've reached out to people around the league uh, because uh, Nap, for people who don't know, has been everywhere in anywhere and everywhere in his 25 plus years in the NFL, you know, with Michael Vick in his heyday as the offensive coordinator, Peyton Manning, when they won Super Bowl 50 and having that explosive year working with Steve Young. And then obviously what he was hoping to do uh, with Zach Wilson uh, here with the jets. I, I, and I'm so blessed by the impact that he had on people. Unfortunately me with the jets, obviously, you know, I, and I could speak probably for all of us, and we didn't get to know Nap the way we were hoping to know him only a few months into this thing. But I'll tell you, from the people I talked to, Benjamin Albright, who covered him in Denver, Kelsey Conway, who covered him in Atlanta. I spoke to people inside the Broncos organization, and he also made double dips. He was with the Falcons twice and with the Raiders twice. I talked to people all across the league, and the thing they continued to tell me was he was just this nice guy that had a zest for life and a guy that, again, just brought everything to another level, and he enjoyed life and an avid uh, cyclist uh, that he liked to do that in his free time too, man, just a really cool guy. And like I said, it's unfortunate uh, that we didn't get to see what he could do here with this organization, not only as a coach, but as a man, but again, love thoughts and everything are sent out to his family uh, during this tough time. Absolutely. So uh, Jeremy, I'm going to get your thoughts in just a moment as we're actually just bringing on right now. um, Another member of the weapons hot group, uh, making a, a little bit of a late, late addition right here, uh, Mr. Kevin Spotty Blackman Jackson. Uh, Kevin, welcome to the show tonight. How you doing? Uh, tonight's a good night. Please excuse my uh, my few minutes here. I had a couple of things I was dealing with. Uh, CJ, you know, you know what I got going on on Friday. So um, I'm thankful to have the opportunity to be here. Looks like the gang's all here. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, look, hell of a time to be a Jet, man. Let's, let's get it. I'm ready. Let's go. All right, so obviously, as we, we, we talked about, um, before we actually get into the subject of the passing of Coach Knapp, I'd like to take a couple seconds for all of us to, to uh, pause and have a brief moment of silence for him uh, as we celebrate his life this evening. Gone, from, gone too soon, 58 years old, Gregory Knapp, uh, father and, and father of three, uh, a wife, uh, it's, it's wow. <laughs> it's I, I'm still having difficulty wrapping my head around it with the fact that he was just here, and the fact that now he's he's gone. This is a huge blow for the for the Jets family. And again, I'd like us all to partake in a moment of silence, really quick, before we go on further. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I want to turn the floor over to Jeremy. Jeremy, please um, 
give me your thoughts a little bit on on the passing of Coach Knapp, and what were your first impressions when you when when you first heard the news? Um, yeah, and it hit me hard. You know, one of the things that I reflected on um, was not when I like think about his life and where he was in life was how it parallels mine professionally a little bit, even though it's in different areas of the world. Like I'm in education, he's in professional sports, but um, being a little bit older, I spent a lot of years educating students and I was teaching students directly, young students. And now in this part of my career, I'm teaching teachers and I'm coaching teachers. And I was thinking about his career and what he was coming in here to do. And what was different than probably earlier on in his coaching career where he was coaching players, I feel like he came in here and he was coming in here to help coach our coaches, right? And to really be that veteran guy for our coaches. So it was hard for me not to think, wow, I love my life right now and where I am in my career working with other adults and other educators to help kids and to parting wisdom. And that's pretty much what I think he was here to do. And where, you know, he was in a part of his life where he was getting to just unload all this wisdom, everything that he had accumulated um, for years. Um, and then of course the family thing always hits, right? Um, you just think about his family and you think about losing him that way. And um, it's just such, it's just really a, you know, big tragic loss. All right, so uh, now we'll go to the, uh, the members of the Weapons Hot Crew. We'll start off with Jimmy because last week he wasn't here, so I'm sure he's got a lot to catch up on. So, Jimmy, give me your thoughts on the news and what's the temperature that you're seeing right now on not only social media but uh, just every place else. When we when we first when I first found out that he got hired that he was one of Salah's picks, I I was excited. Um, not too into like what he's done, but he's worked with a lot of my favorite quarterbacks, Michael Vick being one of them. Um, always loved Vick, you know, Steve Young back in the day. And uh, I, I was excited. I was, I was like this. Greg Knapp was what solidified this coaching staff, in my opinion. Um, passing game coordinator, quarterbacks coach, I worked with very prolific passing games around the league. And, you know, I'm not trying to get off too much on football during this time, but, you know, at, kind of leading into the whole thing. Uh, but I was excited. I was like, okay, you know, like everybody can say, oh, well, we have a coach that's never coached and we have a coordinator that's never coordinated. We got Greg Knapp. And I was like, all the rest of that can fall into place because of that. You know what I mean? And uh, I was really excited to see what they were going to put together. And then when I heard the news of, of the accident, uh, the initial reaction that I saw on Twitter, and I was I was kind of guilty of it a little bit myself, was that initial anger of what the hell was that guy doing? Like, not Nap, but the driver. Um, read into the story a little bit more, and when I heard yesterday of his passing... Uh, I, I needed to look a little bit deeper. It's just one of those things, a, a tragic freak accident, you know, like the driver wasn't drunk or anything like that. It wasn't an intentional thing. It wasn't a negligent thing, probably a mis, you know, a, 
a lapse of judgment. I heard that there was some reports that he was texting or something like that, but um, reports from the police said that he was cooperating. The driver was cooperating. They said that, that they responded to the scene and found the driver providing aid to coach Knapp. Um, so I, I read that and I was able to kind of step back from the anger that I was feeling. Cause I know, you know, our brains, you got to compartmentalize and you got to find a place to put that, you know? And so I called, I was on green bean show. I kind of called for everybody to just kind of take that same step back and, and realize that we don't need to put out hate in this world. And that's not what coach Knapp would have wanted in the first place. So uh, from there, the response that I'm seeing is a lot more, a lot more love and respect to the family than, than a lot of the hate and accusations and whatnot. So I'm, I'm pretty pleased to see that part of it. Uh, it it's just a tough situation, man. And, and it's the, the only thing that's upset me so far is just some tweets are like, well, what are the Jets passing game going to do now? I'm like, have a little bit of respect. Like, let this thing, let this settle for a little bit before we start worrying about all that nonsense. But I think from what all the interviews that I've watched and everything like that from the guy, um, he loved what he did. And he would want, the fan base and the team and the organization to keep on and to move forward with it and, and to pursue that dream. And uh, I think we just, we show them respect by, by doing that, by, by kind of looking into, into ourselves and looking at everyone else and trying to hold each other to a better standard and just realize that this stuff, this life can be taken away at any moment and we never know. So, um, Greg Knapp was a teacher, but, you know, through coaching. And I think if we can take that lesson to heart, I think, uh, I think that honors him more than anything else. All right. Harrison, your thoughts. So I, I want to start out first, just, you know, my thoughts and prayers go out to his family. Like you said, his wife, his, his children, it's, it's tragic. It's absolutely tragic because like, you know, like, everyone else has been talking about this wasn't he wasn't sick he wasn't ill this wasn't something you know that we saw coming it was it was an absolute accident like jimmy pointed out uh, and paul pointed out he was an avid cyclist i covered it on my website at the time takeflightmedia.org uh he, he was you know an avid cyclist he was uh his home was in danville california and he was riding his bicycle saturday uh in a nearby town san ramon and like jimmy pointed out the driver, we don't know, you know, exactly the whole situation. It's reported that the driver did stay. The driver did provide aid to Nap, and, you know, didn't flee the situation. But it's absolutely tragic. It, it's because, like we said, this was out of nowhere. It was an accident. We didn't see it coming. He wasn't, you know, a super old guy. I mean, he wasn't young, but he wasn't old either. And like Paul pointed out, Nap had been coaching in the NFL for 23 years. He'd coached seven different NFL franchises. So just shout out to Greg Knapp and, you know, in memory of him, you don't do that if you're bad at what you do. Like we've seen so many coordinators in the NFL come and go very quickly. The ones that stay are good at what they do. He's coached. He coached in the NFL, basically the age of an adult that can drink. 
is a good way to look at it because he was excellent at what he did. And he coached for seven different franchises. He was the offensive coordinator of the 49ers, the Falcons, the Raiders, the Seahawks, and the Texans. And he was the quarterback coach of the Broncos for four years back when they won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 50 happened when he was there coaching the quarterbacks. Like Jimmy pointed out, all the great quarterbacks he'd been around. That's why, you know, we were so excited to see what he could bring to the table. Uh, But I, I think, you know, he left... Even in the short time he was there, you know, Jimmy pointed out one of the, you know, most senior of all the coaches, he definitely left an imprint. We saw that, like, you know, CJ, you pointed out going on in social media, all the Jets players, you know, reaching out, saying, you know, how great he was and how tragic this is and how big of a loss this is. And, you know, from all of his past teams, past players, and again, being in the NFL for so long, because he was so good at what he did and he brought so much to the table. So, I've been calling for it since it happened. I feel like it's only appropriate. I'm calling on Woody Johnson. I'm calling on you, my man. I'm hoping for you to either put a patch on the jersey or something on the helmet. Like, let's do something in honor of Greg Knapp and all the amazing years he's been in the NFL and contributed. And even though he was only with us a short time, like I said, he just brought so much to the table. I guarantee, even with Zach Wilson, even in that short amount of time, I guarantee he learned so much. All right. Kevin, you're up. Uh, finish us out. Difficult for me, right? Um, and I'll just say that specifically because in this time of COVID and all of the death that I have had to kind of get through and losing multiple family members, my own football coach uh, from when I was in high school, people that I love, right? Um and this obviously is unrelated to that, but the fact of the matter is, is that for whatever reason, um, this country has been surrounded by death, right? Like for how long? And uh, we, we, we're, we're, we're describing all of his accolades. We're describing his tenure um, as, as a, the, an upper echelon uh, staff member of many teams, right? We're talking about a guy who functionally has affected Hall of Fame caliber players, pro bowlers, you know, guys who literally, I mean, we've already discussed the list. I I don't think anybody could look at that list and not recognize most of those guys. The difficulty that I have right now is that he has been here for such a short time. I don't want this to be something that hangs over the team. And please excuse me for being that guy today, right? I'm just going to come in. I'm going to come in late and I'm going to be that guy, right? Um, We love Greg Knapp. We appreciate what Greg Knapp has done for this league, for players, for coaches, uh, for for the decades that he was involved. We're going to do something to commemorate, you know, him. Um, And and Harrison, when you say that we're going to call on Woody, I I don't think that's going to be necessary. I think the coaching staff, I think the players, they're all going to come together and they're going to put forth their own statement about this. Um, I read the statement from the family earlier today, heartfelt, touching. Um, I'm glad that we're doing this now. I'm ready to move on. And, and, and that to me is difficult because I don't want to not show the proper respect, but what it is that I do want to do is not lose focus. 
And please, well, ex- please, Kev, if I may, if I may just jump in. Yeah, man, I, just, I don't want to do that. Yeah. yeah, man. I would say, you know, if anything, it, it hyper-focuses them. I mean, in my opinion, I would say, you know, it puts them in the place where, you know, we want to do it yeah. in honor of him, in place of him. And yeah, we've well, seen it in the past, you know, with owners who have, you know, passed away. I'm not saying, you know, much. Something like, you know, just a patch with, like, GK or something like that. I, Maybe know, just I, something I, I get all that. Just in memory that. for the season. It'd be nice. Harrison, I, I get that. And again, I'm going to be that guy. We probably will. Let's move on. Let's give the necessary respect. Let's 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 you know put out the the necessary you know statements or or again to whatever point it is that you want to do patch or or helmet sticker or whatever. Um, let's do that. Let's show the necessary respect and 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 let's move on. All right, because I'm going to tell you right now, I guarantee you Greg Knapp wasn't the kind of person that would say, yeah, let this linger in your locker room the entire season and become a distraction when what it is that you really need to be doing right now is focusing on the reason why he was brought in. And that's to mentor, to grow, to strengthen, to solidify this new young quarterback that we have that's going to be here. So, I mean, have we already decided to look for a replacement? I know we're going to probably end up talking about that over the course of the next few days or weeks as far as the, the media and people that cover the team and all of the other things. I, I, I'm, I'm happy that our coaching staff was smart enough to include a guy like Greg now. Right. I'm glad that when Robert Sala decided to put his 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 uh, unit together, that one of the guys that he went to and said that he had to have was a guy that has shown to be very good at what he's done for an extremely long time. The kind of guy when we, we talk about types and, and you've heard me say this uh, quite a bit about types. Um, they like the types at linebacker. They like types at safety. They like types of coaches, guys that are really influential when it comes to teaching the game and, and, and growing and supporting and building their players through learning and development. That's exactly what it is that we're looking at, at a guy like Greg Knapp uh, was, was brought in to do. Um, who's going to be the guy that they bring in now? Um, and, and, and again, please, just I, 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 I feel like I, I'm, I'm not wanting to be insensitive here, right? Because I really do. I don't not want to give it the proper respect. I don't want to recognize it for what it was while it was. But Greg Knapp never coached the game here. We've never seen Greg Knapp, you know, go through anything as far as uh, adversity and trials and tribulations in camp or anything like that. We've never seen that. So I want to give him respect for what it is that he's done. But as far as this organization, as far as this team, as far as us as fans, I'm just going to keep it real. I'm ready to move. All right. So I want to switch gears a little bit here. And I, I actually want to dip my toes a little bit into the subject of where do the Jets go from here? in regards to Greg Knapp. And I want to turn the floor over to our guests. Um, I want to start off with Paul Edson, and then we're going to swing on over to Jeremy. Um, Paul. Oh, hold on. Uh, just, uh, Paulie, I love the beer, my guy. I just had to say that. I'm sorry. When I came, it, when I, when I came in, I was like, yo, that's new. That's what's yeah, okay. Yeah. Throwing that puppy out. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it. Yes, it's been a minute since we've talked. It's good to have you. <laughs> Jer- Jeremy, you also. Thank you guys for, for being here. Excuse me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. All right, so uh, Boy Green, I'm going to put you on the spot. I know yeah. you you got a lot of ears, uh, you know, and a lot of eyes around the league and stuff that you get to, uh, you you're, you get some information that's uh, privy to us, you know, uh, common folk, you know. 
So you get to hang around in the clouds while we have to roll around in the mud over here. So tell me, <laughs> what is it that your uh, your 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 Tweety Birds are telling you? What is it that you've uh, you've already heard or uncovered, etc.? Here is my thoughts on what the Jets are going to do from here. I believe they're not going to fill the role, to be honest with you. His role was a passing game specialist. And again, uh, you know, I, I think the rest of the crew has kind of mentioned it a little bit here, is that Robert Sala was super smart in how he built this staff. And obviously that was part of the reason he got hired, is Sala, obviously an emotional guy, a guy that, you know, connected with people, the people person, the overseer of the operation. And the sexy thing is to say he's going to be the CEO. Anyone can say that. But what has to back up the statement of CEO is having the proper men. Jeff Ulbrich is calling the defensive plays. He trusted him to do so. And more importantly, the yin to his yang, the salt to his pepper, the mac to his cheese was Mike LaFleur in this offense. And while Mike LaFleur has never called a play before, Greg Knapp, this experienced offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, was again the yin to his yang a little bit to kind of balance out the staff to have the great mix of both youth and uh, and old or youth and experience. So to me, quite frankly, the passing game special specialist would have been nice to have with Nap. But I think a couple of things. I think first off, in respect of Nap, you know, obviously this this man just passed away yesterday. I, I mean, this is a very fresh wound not only for his family but you know for this organization and someone that was very close to Sala. But the thing I would say is from that perspective and then also just in general, I think the staff is built up well enough where they're not just going to say, okay, this guy is this chess piece is off the table. And again, no insensitivity or disrespect that like that coach is no longer here. What do we do now? I think they just rally around what they have and they figure it out from that perspective, not to, again, discredit what Nap would have brought to the table, not to do any of that. But I just think that they can carry the torch themselves and figure it out. And they will lose, obviously, the key piece of what Nat would have brought to the table. But I think the plan right now is to stay in-house and rock with what they have. I don't anticipate them making a move tomorrow, next week, next month, hiring insert guy as a passing game specialist. I do not foresee that happening. If, 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 if I may, please, just to throw this in. I'm sorry I'm late, but Jeremy had said something earlier that kind of that, – that, I, that I wanted to just touch on. And that was Greg Knapp's relationship with the other coaches on the team, right? right. And how he was going to be that guy that was going to be the, like, like when you bring in the, the veteran quarterback to, to mentor the, the young guy, he was going to be kind of that guy, right? Sure. So now, again, to your point, do they kind of, you know, what circle the wagons, what have you, and, and they just kind of focus on what it is that they already know and already have? Or do they really want to seek out another person to be kind of that guy? Not necessarily, um, you know, have it be where he's going to be the quarterback back whisperer for Zach Wilson, but is he going to be that coach? That That's a great coach? point. Right? Just to follow up quickly on your point is uh, my partner who also works at Heavy on Jets. He brought this up in some of our private conversations about, you know, we've talked about how the quarterbacks of the roster right now are James Morgan and Mike White. Who? I mean, kids. these guys haven't played a snap yeah. yet. Kids, so kids. I think a key to this that we're not talking about is now that Knapp is no longer a coach on this team and brought that veteran savvy, he's been everywhere. I think a way they could replace that, again, not with another coach, but with a veteran quarterback. And that's why I think the Jets and Nick Foles and why that could potentially, again, I, I, don't, I, I can't say that enough. I don't want this to be looked at insensitively. That's yeah. not what I'm trying to do. But 
you know, Nick Foles could fill that veteran mentor, that guy who's kind of been around the block and could show Zach Wilson the kinds of things that Knapp would from a coaching perspective. Again, Foles, former Super Bowl MVP, he's been in a lot of different systems. That kind of savvy, I think, is exactly what the Jets could use to replace at least, you know, while you can't replace everything Knapp brought to the table with his wealth of experience. I think that's the key, and you nailed it, is I think bringing in a veteran quarterback can replace the veteranness of the group, and I would I would foresee that happening again. I've said it all off season. I think Nick Foles is already a New York Jet. We just need to get him from A to B. I, I think it's a formality. The Bears are not carrying Foles, Andy Dalton, and Justin Fields. That makes no goddamn sense. That's not going to happen. So again, from my perspective, at the end of the day, he's going to get there somewhere or another, whether he gets cut or it's a late pick thrown over at the Bears, and that again will fill the hole that is here on the nap situation. So that's an excellent point. I'm personally not a huge Nick Foles fan. I, I, I don't want him, but I, I get that a lot of people do. But, Paul, you make an excellent point when you bring up how, you know, replacing him specifically and you bring up the quarterback situation of the young quarterbacks. I thought that was very interesting, you know, that immediately everyone's thought was, well, what about Zach Wilson, the development of Zach Wilson? Well, Greg Knapp, like you said, was the passing game specialist. He was supposed to be the senior coach to work with everyone else to make them better. And one of the guys he was supposed to make better – is the quarterback coach. We have a quarterback coach already. His name is, if I'm saying it right, Rob, Rob Calabrese. He hasn't been around nearly as long. He's only been around a couple of years, but he is, we have a quarterback coach. So I think bringing in a veteran, you know, quarterback to work kind of like Nat was going to be is that extra guy to work with Calabrese and Wilson as that veteran presence. That could make sense. I'm not a big Nick Foles fan, but I, Again, what other veterans are available is another way to look at it. So, yeah. But I just thought that was interesting that that was the rhetoric immediately. What about Zach Wilson? Because, again, he is that passing game specialist. We have a quarterback coach. Like, the quarterback coach is still there. Greg Knapp was supposed to work with him and be that senior to him and make it work better. So I agree with you. I don't think they're going to, you know, bring in somebody else for that reason, that we have a quarterback coach already. He was supposed to be that guy like you guys mentioned. So I agree with you in that aspect. I think uh, just real quick, if I may, <laughs> if I may, this way. sure. <clears throat> uh, I don't see the Jets making a move as far as bringing in another coach, at least for the foreseeable future. I don't think that call it a unemotional decision or what have you. They're not already talking to people. I don't think they're going to. I think that uh, Calabrese is going to get a little bit of an extended role. And I think LaFleur is going to also extend his role down into the passing game. And I think those two are going to work together. Um, I don't want another quarterback. I don't, I, I say, let these guys throw them in the games, man. Let, let them have their, let them have their successes. Let them have their heartaches and just get them in the game. I, if anything, and I've said this on this show, I've said this with Green Bean, I've said it on Ryan with Jets Talk 24-7. Somebody throw a giant bag of money at Josh McCown and get him in here on the coaching staff. That's what I want to see happen. But as far as getting Nick Foles, I just I want to focus on I want to focus on Wilson. I want to focus on getting our backups and game experience and uh, and just move forward. That's, that's I don't. I don't want to throw salt on it, but uh, the the belief, the rumor is that uh, Josh McCown is basically being groomed for that next head coach position. That this guy there is just a stopgap while this whole situation kind of goes on, and he's eventually going to be the guy. So if that's the case, it's going to be a little hard pressed to 
to, you know, get him away. I, I, and I, I, heard that I don't think it's ever going to happen, but my take is, you know, take a guy like Calabrese, move him to the passing game specialist, throw a ton of money at Chad Pennington and make Chad Pennington the quarterback coach. It'll never happen, but that's my two cents. Like get Chad in there, put Calabrese as the passing game specialist. Let them work with Wilson. I, I'm a Josh McCown homer. I love that game. Guys, we, we guys, are all fans. wait a second. Yeah, wait fans. a second. These are all fan responses. <laughs> right. So before we start throwing our two cents in, remember we got these two gentlemen here for a limited amount of time. So I really want to pepper them with as much information as or, or as many questions as we, as we can. Jeremy, please give us your thoughts on this situation. Well, I, I think Paul's take was really interesting to me because um, I was thinking, well, they're not going to replace them right away. They're not going to panic and jump. That would be the wrong message to the current coaching staff. Panicked and grabbed someone. Like, we don't trust you. You're alone. I thought there was a chance that they might later on um, replace the position. Um, but then that take of, of get, bringing it, maybe that increases the chance they bring in a, a better veteran quarterback, I think was, um, that made me think. I said, hmm, that's, that's an interesting take. And definitely one way they can go. I'm not going to pretend to know, you know, um, I'm, but I will say at the end of the day, I always go back to, I really trust Joe Douglas. I trust Salah. I like, I'm giving my trust to them and I trust what, what they do will be the, what's best for the team. Um, and I think, and I mean that in both ways, I think they'll like best for the team, but also they'll respect um, Greg Knapp. All right. I trust Joe Douglas. I believe in Robert Sala. I'm, I'm hoping to trust him, but I, I trust Joe Douglas. This is this is so, my, my expectation is that this is what Robert Sala has kind of been hinting that he wanted uh, to see, and that is uh, this team overcome adversity. Um, and I know maybe how it is that we took it was a little different. We're talking about you know on field things in particular, but this is not necessarily a situation that doesn't create its own you know, locker room adversity. It, it creates a vacuum now within that coaching staff uh, that has to be overcome. But also, you know, as as the players are looking at the coaches and seeing how the coaches respond to this, you know, having an even hand right now, not having that knee-jerk reaction and saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God you know, um, we have to do something to, to Jeremy's point. Um, I think that that makes a lot of sense right now. And that's why I think Paul's take is probably as close to what it is that I would expect as, as anything else. I, I do expect that there may be some conversations about restructuring and maybe just, you know, sharing responsibility. But I think that that is really only going to come because there is a person that is outside of, uh, you know, the structure that is now, you know, kind of needing to be replaced. Um, and, and it's difficult to do that, but I would imagine this is how it is that you build, you know, that, that mature staff that those, those guys that, you know, we've, we've dealt with this, we've been here before, um, and we handled it. Not only did we handle it, we handled it well. And that's the expectation. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, I think the, the beginning of your answer was 100 percent. Sal has been saying that since he got here. He's been repeating this team needs to overcome adversity, learn how to overcome adversity, have come, uh, overcome the odds, become better together out of something. And he meant it on the field. But, you know, you have adversity in life as well. So I think, you know, honestly, I, he probably really meant it in all aspects. And this is exactly that situation where I think they are going to band together and become stronger because of this. All right. So now we're going to switch gears. Jimmy, we're going to start with you in your front office segment. Who you got? Front office. We are looking at our rookies. We have two out of the three remaining signed. Elijah Vera Tucker has signed his deal. Elijah Moore has also signed their deal. So close, in fact, that I didn't even notice that AVT was signed. 
So I see the tweet about Elijah Moore, and I'm like, two to go. And everybody's like, no, just one. Back to back nights. He had ABT one night, and then Elijah the next. But the Elijah Moore, yeah, that's that's pretty much what happened. I just was off Twitter for a day, and that'll that'll teach me to take a break. <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> I blinked. I don't know, <laughs> dude. That's how it works, bro. It's crazy. It's just social media. You blink, you miss like a million things. But I really wanted to be on board for that one. But anyway, we got Elijah Moore that signed a four-year, eight point nine million dollar deal. Uh, looks like base salary. Uh, six hundred and sixty dollars. Six hundred and sixty dollars. Six hundred and sixty-six thousand. The cheap ass contract. I know, right? Wow, six hundred and sixty dollars. That's awesome, right there. He's like, you give me a thousand dollar McDonald's gift card, and I'm, I'm there. I'll catch <laughs> you. Pal. I'll start. I'll start. Uh, <laughs> but Bro, like, there are a bunch of undrafted guys. You, you give them that, and they're on. Like you don't get many. So he's got a base salary of the 660, 660K, uh, signing bonus of 965000 for 2021. He's a $1.625 million cap hit in 2021. Really, obviously, it's a, it's a round two rookie contract, so it's affordable throughout. But that that's really nice. That's a really nice receiver to have for that price when we have the number two pick, two first-round draft picks that are going to take up a pretty decent chunk of change. Uh, so having a caliber of player like Elijah Moore on that type of a deal really helps us out. So we got that. Um, Elijah Vera Tucker, his contract, also another first-round pick, but at pick 14, uh, he has a fully guaranteed $15 million, $15.8 million deal, four years, uh, signing bonus of $8,912,000. Base salary six hundred and sixty thousand. Signing bonus of two point two million dollars. Two point eight eight million dollar cap hit, as far as twenty twenty one is concerned. And now all we're waiting on is Zach Wilson. Now the benefit here for these two and Zach Wilson being the last one to sign, as of right now, the New York Jets have thirty two point five million dollars of cap space. Still, after those signings, Zach Wilson is going to be a a little over a $6 million cap hit after Zach Wilson signs, uh, Zach Wilson's cap hit will be about 6.4 million going into 2021. So the jets are looking at $26.1 million of available cap space heading into the season. That is huge. That's a great, nice little comfort zone to be in as you go through the first eight weeks, potential trades, you know, potential signings, things of that nature. Um, I think going into that, even if we don't have to use it, you know, having 20 plus million dollars roll over into 2022 for the 2022 cap, that's always a good thing. So with everything going on, I wanted to kind of focus more instead of talking about holdouts and, and the negative stuff like that. I just wanted to bring a little bit of joy into Jets fans lives by pointing out that we have a nice fat sack stack of cash just sitting there ready to go in case we need somebody. And the potential talent of Elijah Moore and AVT, like the money they're making is nothing. Like that's you know absolutely what? chump change almost for like you know this year's else? cap. Hit. You know what else? Uh, you guys have also heard that Devontae Adams contract talks have already all but stopped me, right? Mm. I'm just saying. Like you said, bro, we got room. We could do stuff. We got it's room. possible. I like ah. it. He says, I like it. Yeah, look. look Kev's getting too excited. Look, this is what we got to deal with right now. And this is why I think some of the conversations that we have uh, around Joe Douglas and what Joe Douglas is doing contractually 
I, I think we we kind of you know we have to kind of have to keep in mind it is it is chess not checkers right um multiple first round draft picks all guys that were expecting to be studs and joe douglas in a position to have to you know be smart enough to plan for how much it is that we're going to end up paying these guys or or, or planning on how much he's going to have to arm wrestle uh you know with some of these guys because it is going to end up being a situation where um we got to pay Quinnen, we got to pay Zach, we got to pay Nims, we got to pay Carter, we got to pay, you know, we're going to end up having to figure out what we're doing with CJ Mosley's next contract. Um, if, if he's going to stay, he's going to come and he's going to ball. I mean, we don't have a guy come in and, and, and ball at a Pro Bowl level and, and just have him leave um, without having, you know, some sort of reasonable expectation at what we're going to do to replace him. And, uh, you know, we, uh, us having multiple draft picks over the course of the next couple of seasons, and obviously Joe Douglas's propensity to try to add more as we go. Um, a lot of, you know, I guess maybe expectations about what the roster is going to look like going forward kind of needs to be discussed, and it needs to be discussed in, in the frame of four first-round draft picks, right? That's a lot of dough. That's a lot of cheddar that needs to be spread, and there's only so much bread, right? I mean, you cut the crust off, and, uh, and you know, really, what do you have? So um, we're, we're in a spot right now where, you know, all of those things need to be taken into consideration. It's another reason why I am happy to say that uh, I'm comfortable with what Joe Douglas is doing, but also why it is that I feel like I, 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 I am not going to be as uh, quick twitch, right, as, as I would be. Um, when I see him make a move that I know is has to be part of a long game that we just can't see at this point, right? So, you know, another thing that 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 kind of ties into this whole conversation about what's going on right now is that aspect of it, right? It's, um, isn't it? A, isn't it amazing? You talk about Joe Douglas. I love him for the money part too, especially because isn't it I love him for everything. The fact that 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 Jimmy could point out that we have, and when you look at the depth that he's already built in some of the rooms. Right, in the wide receiver room in the offensive line, the improvements there. When you consider that, and that we still have 25 million and what we went at the end of the season, where we were to where we are right now today, that's incredible. That's what we that's might end up needing. That that, 25 million is going to go quick, end up, though. End up needing that buffer zone, guys, because as of 45 minutes ago, uh, this is a this is a better sign than it could be. But Quentin Williams is now on the. Oh, that yeah. He's what? He's on the pup list. For now, for now. I think the key is for right. now, you know, like first it's off, just holding it's yeah. holding the roster spot in reserve. Yeah. It's not right. so and they he, don't have to put it on him. And he yeah. can be taken off at any time. Yeah. All exactly. Uh, yeah. Until yeah. after until after preseason. If he's still on the yeah. list after preseason, he goes to reserve and he can't practice for six weeks. Right. But Jimmy, you remember it was the same thing I said like with Mackay, you know, when everyone was freaking out, oh my God, he's not playing, but that's what you want. Like remember last year we had a coach that consistently threw him in with that bad injury and just made it worse. Took an injury that should have been able to heal, took the whole season because he just kept throwing him in. Finally, we have a coach that you know, like he's got an injury, nothing to do with weight or size. Let's let him get better. And everyone's freaking out. So it makes sense. You know, I mean, as long as they don't like, like Paul was saying, as long as they don't stay, you know, on the PUP list and we see hey, them starting to play. IR. He's not yeah. on IR. So exactly. It's different. Yeah. Re realistically, with the type of injury that yeah, we're he in the NFI list, I think yeah. Vinnie Curry's on what, that what, right what, now. What's the, what's the expectation that he was actually going to start, you know, at, at full speed those first couple of games anyway with the injury that he had? My expectation was it'd probably be a few games before we actually saw him. And if you think about it, do you need to see Quinton in the preseason? Is there anything Quinton's going to do that's not going to tell you he's not defensive tackle number one? Like, uh, that's it. Not, like, not, for, not for us. I want I, him to I, get ready. I, yeah, that was what it was. I want him to be scary when 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 I watched him in Carolina. Feel me? That, that's what I want to see. 
All yeah, right. but Kim, quick, just to touch what you were talking about on, because you were saying, you know, you feel comfortable with Joe Douglas is done. I feel confident that he can and is going to be able to sign those guys as time goes on because he's seen it. You remember last year I was saying when everyone was freaking out about 2020 free agency that he's not signing guys, he's not spending money. It's because it's long game. You know, he took a six-year deal for a reason. McCagnan, you know, we've talked about it, the quarter of a billion dollars bankrupted the team. He had to use cheap deals, prove a contract to try to get us and think about what he did. From two years, he took us to a team that spent over a quarter of a billion in free agency to the third richest team. And like Jimmy said, we have a ton of money right now. We're able to bring in guys like Morgan Moses, Corey Davis, Carl Lawson, pay those guys and still got money left over. So I'm confident and he knows what he's doing. Everything I feel like, but financially he's going to get those deals done. Those guys will get signed one way or another. Paulie, can I, can I ask you a question, Paul? Cause uh, the, the, just, we have been kind of throwing around a few things when it comes to this, but um, just to kind of get back to that one aspect of the contractual obligation when when we're looking at situations like Jamison Crowder holding out for a few days because they had to make some adjustments with his contract and if if maybe can Jimmy can back me up on this but as far as what it is that he ended up getting I know that they kind of cut off a little bit of salary but they replaced what that salary would have been with what I guess is a bonus right yeah Jimmy you said that that was interesting so so he ends up making basically the same money even though on paper it says that you know, that it's gone. When, when you're looking at some of these situations, I mean, and, and, and you kind of put that in perspective, do you feel like Joe Douglas is maybe, is he, you think he's too tight with it? Or you, or you think he's, you know, are we just really kind of looking at him saying, I have a plan and this is it, period. We're, go, we're not going to, we're going to try not to deviate uh, from it, but, you know, this is where we're at. You know, I think the real time to answer that question is with Quentin Williams. So after this season, Quentin Williams is eligible for an extension. If Joe Douglas is cheap again there, then okay, we call it how we see it. He's cheap. So far, we've had this odd case-by-case basis with Marcus May, Robbie Anderson, and a couple of situational things where the line is drawn in the sand. He didn't do it. That cost Robbie. In this case, again, I think they're playing it. While it sucks for May, as a former player, I feel for May. But I'm like, hey, man. It's what's best for business. Yeah. You franchise tag him, he's 28. By the end of this franchise tag, he's 29. You franchise tag him again next year. I expect the Jets. Exactly. Jets. That's what I was saying, 30. bro. When he's 30, you know, again, it's a cold-cut business. It's a cold cutthroat business. I'm sorry, May. But you know what? At that point, at 30, the Jets can then shove him out the door if they want. And yeah. it sucks. And then you pick up the comp pick on the other side. Again, is it cool? No, no, but, but guess what? It's a business. I'm sorry, man. It's a business. So I can't answer that question until I see what he does with Quinnen, what he does with – and Mekhi Becton continues on this track. But the first test will be Quinnen Williams next year. If he opens up the checkbook, as I expect him to, and give Quinnen the $100 million-plus deal that I expect him to get if Quinnen continues on this rise, then none of us are saying he's cheap. We're saying, oh, I see. He's willing to pay when the player proves willing to pay. Remember, That's he didn't so draft man. Marcus May. The, and Robbie Anderson, he admitted to making that mistake when it happened. He said, hey, I've got analytical people in my building who told me what the market number was going to be for him. We were wrong. I blew it. That's on me. But besides that, you know, I, I don't really, you know, people have called him cheap, but I won't know that till next year. Jeremy, I, where, you, Jeremy where, where are you at on this? I, I wanted to, you know, kind of get your opinion on this. I, I, I know we were talking similar to this, I think, at, in a previous show and you were in the comments. Um, you have an opinion on that? Yeah, I mean, I look, I, it's a business, and we got this guy for a certain price without having to guarantee money. Um, the players have no problem with the business part of it when it's in their favor. It's just an understood thing. It was the same thing with, oh, we're, we're, we're hurting his feelings, we're hurting his pride. No, he was very happy when he signed that contract and had 20 million plus guaranteed money. 
when he came to the Jets. So it's like, no, we're doing what we need to do. But, you know, but mainly I'm, I, what I like is, and, and I agree with the whole, with Williams, we need to pay premium money to elite players. At premium positions. Right, right. And premium. Exactly. And we, like, like was pointed out, are going to have a lot of players, we hope and we think and we believe, that we're going to have to pay it eventually. So we can't be in the habit of paying good players elite money. We're going to have to be very selective by position and by player on who we give that elite money to. All right. So now we're going to switch gears and Mr. Kevin Jackson is going to take us in the spotlight. So, Kevin, who do you have in your spotlight this evening? You know, obviously um, the tone of the day and, and, and the, the tenor of our conversation began with really the only uh, possible spotlight, and that is actually Greg Knapp today. All right. And uh, while, again, I know we've given moments of silence and I know we've discussed his, his accomplishments in, in great detail, um, and we've only touched on really what his legacy is going to be here. All right. Now, mind you, um, I'm saying legacy, but I'm actually saying that in terms of what he meant to the people who are in this building, right, coming in. A lot of those guys probably felt really confident about coming in and being on the staff when they knew that he was going to end up being part of it. Um, the players have got connections and they've got relationships with other players in different cities. And when you, you know, you talk about guys like Greg Knapp and how his reputation precedes him, wherever it is that he goes, I know that there are guys on this team that were going, that were really excited uh, and looking forward to being able to feed off of what it is that he brings. And the reason why Greg, Light, Greg Knapp is in the spotlight this evening of uh, boys and girls and friends and family is because um, I think his, his passing as untimely as it is, it is going to give us a little bit of a rallying point. I'm not going to say it's going to be for the entire season, but it is very early on going to be a point where we've had to kind of hunker down and establish an identity through a difficult situation that is beyond our control. What it is that us as Jets fans and players and the organization, we've struggled with having you know, uh, self-inflicted gunshot wounds. Like uh, how many, how many pinky toes have we shot off, off because of, of some stupid, you know, decision that a GM made or some, some ridiculous decision that a coach made or, or, or a player did something, you know, so going back to the Jamal Adams situation, Greg Knapp was brought here specifically to do a thing. And uh, it's unfortunate. We're not going to see him be able to do that thing. And it's in its entirety. But I think that he's already kind of planted seeds that are going to grow and are going to help some of these younger coaches who actually did have an opportunity to meet him and work with him, even over the short period of time that they have. They're going to take those things and they're going to try to emulate him. Right. Like it's one of those. And, and excuse me for those who may not believe what it's what, like, what would the what would Jesus do kind of thing? Right. This is how what would what would Greg Knapp do in this situation? Because he was the guy that we were going to look to to address, you know, so. Greg Knapp is in the spotlight today because I really am interested in, in hearing what it is that you guys think about the vacuum that is caused and how it is that the Jets are going to, you know, kind of handle it going forward. Is this going to be a big deal in the locker room? Is this going to be a big deal in, in the meeting rooms? Or, uh, you know, again, I, I know we kind of touched upon it a little bit further, but just to kind of expand on it, what really are the expectations now that Greg Knapp is gone? Um, I, I guess I'll start with Harrison. I'm, I'm kind of interested in, in where it is that you're at. I know you, 
you, you, you've done quite a bit of, uh, of research on Greg Knapp and what it is that uh, he had brought prior to coming here. I mean, how do you, how do you think we handle it going forward? Yeah, I think we, we all touched it perfect before. I think you know, he was brought in in that veteran presence to be the veteran guy among all these young coaches. Again, I like I was saying earlier, I was just really you know shocked when everyone was saying, well, what about Zach Wilson development of these young quarterbacks? We have a quarterback coach, and he's still there. Rob, uh, Greg Knapp was supposed to work with him and you know make him better and Zach better, but we have a quarterback coach. So again, I think it was Paul who said it just, or it was Jimmy, puts more of the burden on Rob. Calabresi, which I he's I think can handle. I don't think they're going to bring anybody else in. But again, like I've said, my two cents, which will never happen, will be bringing someone like Chad Pennington or uh, I would love Josh McCown, but I just I don't see that as a possibility because again, the situation in Houston seems to be that he's going to be the head coach at some point in the future. All right, I'm going to hijack it now. Paulie, I want you to give your quick opinion, and then we're going to swing over to Jeremy. Then Jimmy's going to take us all. Jimmy's going to drop his two cents worth because then we've got Harrison's segment we need to get to. Go for it, brother. All right, beautiful. I'll just jump. I'll piggyback off Harrison. I know a lot of fans. He speaks for the fans, the Chad Pennington, to come back. And, and I'll tell you, speaking to Chad and speaking to people who speak to Chad all the time, it's the high school thing. It's his kids. And obviously, you saw his latest yeah, kids jumping over to Marshall. So shout out to Chad's son. Uh, that's awesome to see him, uh, you know, for the herd. But, you know, once he gets past, like, his kids and, and kind of doing the minimal stuff he is with the Jets on some of the quarterback tape watching stuff, I think he's going to be tempted to get back in the game. He's a heady guy, super smart. And, again, I think he'd resonate. I know everyone talks about McCown, too, but I agree with uh, – I think it was maybe Harrison who made the point – about eventually, you know, he interviewed for the Houston Texans job. And I know a lot of people thought that was ridiculous. It speaks to his ability to resonate with the players as a younger guy and the leadership and, and all of those kind of things that we thought so highly of when he was with Sam Darnold. So I think he's a future coach in this league. I think he has much higher expectations. And again, not to undersell, but just a quarterback role or something like that. I think he has his goal set much higher. I'd much rather if and when that ever happens is Chad in the future. But again, to, re- to reiterate, I don't think they're doing anything in the meantime uh, again nailed rob calabrese is the quarterback coach they got michael floor they got this team they're going to rally with what's in the team i don't think someone's going to get added we're recording this on and live streaming on july 23rd there's no one that is on the streets that they could bring in that would learn all the solid systems and everything they want to do and this minimal amount of time to be an effective piece in preseason the regular season to me that'd feel rushed it would feel somewhat insensitive to what yeah. just happened uh, to coach knapp and prayers up for again him and his family Again, I just don't foresee any of that happening. But in the dream Jets world, eventually down the line, all of us want to see Pennington back in the building. Again, just quickly, just what Paul was saying, I think it's important, you know, like we were just saying that I I trust Joe Douglas, but a lot of people trust Robert Sala. They trust this process that's being put in place right now, which means, you know, we talked about why I didn't want a veteran quarterback in the past. You trust the coaches he's brought in. So if you trust these coaches, you trust a guy like Rob Calabresi. Uh, So, Jeremy, what do you think? Um, I, I love Chad Pennington, love him, love him, love him. You know, if it wasn't for some injuries, he's probably in my mind, the best quarterback we've ever drafted. And I watched him. I was live in San Diego. I was there at that game when we beat the chargers and man, do I love Chad Pennington. Um, I think it would be great. I think, I, you know, I'm not too concerned about the timing. My main point about that is I'd love for him to eventually be on the team. I'd love to have an old, lo- you know, love jet be part of this organization under the coaching staff. Um, and 
But at the I'm, I just want to say, with all, you know, because we're talking about quarterback and coach and how important it is, um, I know we need them, and it's an important role, but I want to also point out that I think no matter what happens, and the reason we'll be okay, Wilson is an avalanche that's going to come on into the NFL no matter what happens. Yes, sir. Um, this guy is coming. This is our guy, Jeremy. This guy's this coming guy for him. They're not ready. We'll go into the pizzeria right now, CJ. You know what I mean? And I'll say it in my heaviest, we're in the Bronx in a pizzeria. They don't know what's going to happen to them. Right. When Zach Wilson <laughs> comes into their stadium and starts it. flinging that ball around. They have no idea what they're in store for, kid. I love it. Yeah. Love remember, it. like I've been saying, they can't be ready for it. They, they can't prepare for this team. Those first couple of weeks, let's punch them in the mouth, man. Win 3-0. and Start it out. That's what I'm hoping for. Jimmy, wrap this up, man. I got I, I I've said everything that I that I need to say. I'm actually pretty excited for uh, for Harrison's segment, but like I I'll just finish it up with this. Um, Greg Knapp was heading in the direction that he wanted to be. He was working with the people that he wanted to work with. Gone too soon. Much respect to the family. Much respect to his career. Um, but you know, ultimately, life moves on. The organization moves on. Um, we'll be, we'll still be the Jets, man. We'll still be the new look Jets, and it's, it's gonna work out in the end. So, all right, in the spotlight, Greg Knapp. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for your, uh, you know, obviously your continued uh, attention to detail and professionalism. CJ, what do we got next? All right, so Harrison, we're gonna be debuting his brand new segment this evening f- from Ready. behind the Gatling gun. And I'm sure that Harrison has somebody in the crosshairs tonight. So, Harrison, fire away. Man, I don't have just somebody in the crosshairs. I got the whole team in the crosshairs right now because training camp is opening up. And with training camp opening up, the biggest thing is positional battles, specific positions that aren't locked in right now. And there's a lot of them. So I'm going to go through them quick because there's so many. So quick take on all of them. We got... On offense, the running back, completely wide open right now. I think Michael Carter is going to be the guy, but it's completely wide open for anyone who wants it. Wide receiver, too, is going to be a competition between Mims and Cole. Everyone thought, you know, we drafted Mims last year, but Douglas has been trying to get Cole for the last two years. A lot of talent there. So that's going to be an interesting battle. Tight end, who's it going to be? I think surprise cut's going to be Chris Herndon. It's going to be Tyler Croft and Ryan Griffin, I'm thinking, but we'll see. Paul shaking his head. Yeah, so <laughs> Come on, man. Then we get Okay, yeah. for those who don't know, not to jump in here, but I am the Herndon guy. If you were Herndon to say is trash. of the Herndon train, it's this guy. So, again, I completely disagree. That guy the- can't catch a cold, let alone a pass. On, Stop it. I'm, I'm, I'm standing Herndon behind, I'm standing behind Paul with the, with the shovel, shoveling coal. In the, in complimentary the- well, you guys remember my take with it. It has nothing to do with hating or liking Chris Herndon at all. It was him, Tyler Croft, and Ryan Griffin in camp as the main guys through OTAs. But what did we hear? Herndon was constantly dropping balls. So many to the point where he was moved to the twos. So me, I'm like, okay, this guy's in a contract year. Even Corey Davis balled out in a contract year. That's when you're supposed to show up and get paid. So that really scares me that he's dropping balls like that. And again, it gives guys like Croft, who was is one of the best blocking tight ends in football, and Ryan Griffin, who had a solid season the year before, I think it could be them. And then, you know, you would think Herndon would stay as the number three, but you remember my guy's interesting take. I'm not sure Kenny Yaboa can pass through waivers. Kenny Yaboa was such an outstanding receiving option at Old Miss. Could have been a fifth to seventh round pick. If you're afraid he can't pass through waivers, you're keeping Griffin and Croft, and you're keeping Wesco, 
I'm not saying it's gonna happen. I just would. I just wouldn't be shocked if he's a surprise cut. You know what? As, as, as much as I got to give you props, Harris, I, you know I respect that take. Um, I I see Griffin going before Herndon goes. I I just I just think Herndon has so much more talent. I think they're going to give him so much more of an opportunity than than maybe what it is that us as fans are, are are looking at. But I'm I'm just going to say this again, man. And 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 I know I kind of got a lot of heat for it early. When I look at this offense and I look at what it is that they did with George Kittle, I'm not saying Chris Herndon is George Kittle. I'm just saying that he is the closest thing to being able to replicate what Kittle does on this team. Mm. And if they give him the opportunity, if they give him the opportunity, I'm telling you, I, and, and towards the end of last season, I know, again, the guys, with the eye, he couldn't he couldn't catch, he couldn't whatever, whatever. And then he had a pretty solid last few games. Um, I think well, he's going to get an opportunity when the pads go yeah, on. That's the right. thing. Pads go on. He's going to get an opportunity. Now's his chance. Don't drop the ball. Yeah, Make plays, and you can earn that starting spot. Literally, you can't drop the ball. Like well, that's that's not a metaphor. You just heard the take. Chris Herndon is the next George Kittle. So thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh man! Oh man! Paul, 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 Paul careful! You're, you're turning into our beat writers now. You're taking the quote out of context. I'm going to have to deal with this on Twitter for the next week. Don't do that to Pokemon. <laughs> They're just gonna edit out the word "not." So whatever. Right? Kept, uh, yeah, right. I'm not saying he's. he's Kev, they're coming I'm for you, bro. Social media. Right? You, see, you, you see that commercial? Yeah. Spotty Spotty says Spotty says Herndon's Kittle. <laughs> Expect okay, thousand cool. yards. <laughs> yeah, so back into it, guys. Just quick to go through all of them. So the other one is the right guard position. It looks like Van Roten is the guy to get that spot. Makes sense as he was an average guard for the Panthers for so long, and I was excited about that. Excellent technique. Alex Lewis is on the outside looking in. I would say I would give George Fant the opportunity. I mean, he's never played guard, but what the hell? Let's see if he can do it. So I think it's a competition between him and Van Roten, most likely. The undrafted guys like Hoge, they're probably going to wind up on the practice squad, maybe as backups. You get to the defense. The next big one I think that a lot of people aren't realizing is defensive interior. I think John Franklin Myers had his best year last year on the interior of that line, and we finally have actual edge rushers. Like, Real edge rushers in Curry, Lawson, Huff, even Zuniga. So I think JFM has a good chance of possibly battling Rankins for that interior spot and could potentially beat him out. Uh, another just going to be the linebackers, the rookies we have. Will they be starters? Nasseldine and Sherwood. But the big one on defense is CB2 right now. Because CB1 is locked in Bryce Hall. You guys know I feel on him. This kid was a CB1 in a crap system last year and just is getting started. But in CB2, you have a competition between Bless Austin, Jason Pinnock, who you guys know how I feel. I love Jason Pinnock. Isaiah Dunn, who's come out of nowhere as an undrafted guy. And even Lamar Jackson's a dark horse. Because you remember, I pointed out last year that out of all the guys, Lamar Jackson at the low always missed tackle percentage of any Jets player. So there's a competition there. If one of them can step up, our slot corners look good with Michael Carter, Javelin Guidry. If one of them could step up in the CB2 spot, our cornerback situation isn't as bad as everyone makes it out to be. So that that's my gunner position. We got a lot of training camp battles. There's a jit like seven, eight of them. It's going to be fun to watch who's going to be the winner. And the big take I have on that is it's about time. It's about time. Our problem is we have all this talent Who's going to win it? Because you guys remember it was always, well, we got a team of scrubs <laughs> and who can maybe step up and be the guy. So I love that our problem right now is we got all this talent. Who wants it more? So I'm excited about these camp battles. Yeah, one of the biggest that, things uh, I love about the just, camp battle here is that. Don't sleep on George Fan. Don't sleep on George Fan. That's all I want to say. He can win the, the right guard spot, bro. I That's wouldn't be shocked. No. He's massively athletic. I'm, I'm telling you right now, and remember where you heard it first. I know we brought in Morgan Moses. 
it's not a lock that Morgan Moses is going to be the guy. They're probably going to give yeah, him an opportunity. I, lock. I think I wouldn't like agree Fant. with that. I think I think, I think he's like a lock of right tackle. I think they like Fant. Just just let it play out. We're just going to let it play out. I think they like. Bro, Fant. you saw that video I put up of him dominating TJ uh, Watt, right? Look, I, that's I, what you I, want. I, I get, he's I, a guy I, like Mackay Becton that can I, I dominate it. elite edge rushers. I think they like Fant. Holly, this is the guy that agreed with you about Herndon. Yeah, uh, boy, uh, you're immediately I, I, off the train. I, I think they like Fant. I'm look. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Oh, Fant could win the right guard spot. It's legit I'm not, possible. I'm, I'm not saying that Morgan Mo or, or that George Fan is a better player than Morgan Moses. That's not what I'm saying. I think this coaching staff likes George Fan in that position. I think that's the reason why they gave him the contract. We're not talking about uh, Mike McCagnan giving Fant that that con that that contract. We're talking about Joe Douglas giving that guy that contract and what contract did he give to Morgan Moses? It shows a lot of difference in where it is that his head's at about how they see these guys. And I'm not, and, and what I'm saying is let's just not sleep on George fan. Okay. Yeah, I remember, Kevin, you were saying you see him as a right guard possibly, which I mean, is it, could he do it? He definitely could. And I bet he'd be legit at it because he's an excellent he's, player. I, I don't think but that's we, the type of athlete he is though. I think it's but the thing, but we watch what he does, man. He's massively athletic. He dominates elite edge rushers. He's got that great athleticism and strength and speed. I just, I watch him play guys like TJ Watt. I just did George Fant, you know, is good, but he's, he's not as good as him on the edge. I feel like Moses is a lock at right tackle. We're gonna I, see, I think we're, it's we're interesting. Gonna, you heard yeah. two takes so far in the show. Chris Herndon is the next George Kittle, and Morgan <laughs> Moses who? So I, this is I just I just have to say, like oh, if man. I had to make killing our credibility. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, okay. if I had to make a comparison here, they love George Fant so much that they signed another right tackle that is to replace him. It's like this. I've got a fiance that's in the other room. I love her so much. I'm bringing another girlfriend in here just to compete, to try yeah. to get the best out of her. Okay. I still love her, but I'm bringing someone else in. Does that make any yeah, sense? The difference is George Fan's not going to kill you. She in the other room. She's going to kill you. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> come on now. I mean, br br like, brunettes are redheads. Brunettes are redheads. Hey, yeah, yeah, don't say that too loud. But but again, the, again, the point is, come on, man. Like again, Morgan Moses is, is replacing George Fant, and George Fant right yeah. now is watching. I love George Fant, but he's we'll watching see. from the bench, yeah, and we'll, we'll see. see. We'll I hope I, I'm I wrong. I personally don't think that George Fant is going to spend that much time on the bench. That that I think that might be what it is. I'm saying I don't think he's going to spend that much time. He's going to end up somewhere. Listen, this is the whole purpose for training camp. You got to have guys that are going to come in here and compete. You got to put the best 53 on uh, on the field that's going to compete, regardless of contract. And you know what? If George Fant is, it does not matter if they're paying him 10 million dollars a year. If this guy is that's not going saying, to yep. compete, win that starting job then you know what? He's not going to start, okay? Because I know we brought in Morgan Moses. We brought in everybody's still high on George Fant. You know what? I've been saying this all friggin' offseason. Kevin likes to go off script because, you know, he's got to drive his train through the trees, through the forest, upside down, <laughs> that, it, that it goes underground and comes up like this, okay? May the best man win. That's it. Give me My the guy point. who's gonna get who's who's gonna do the most on the offensive line from where he's slated to play, and that's it. I don't give a damn who it is. Go get me the bum under the bridge because if the bum under the bridge is gonna be better than the two wackos that we got in here, then that works for me. Protect my goddamn quarterback and get this offense going. Yeah, but CJ, you see, just back to you know my take before with my you know segment that I did. 
we're arguing about which talented guy is going to be the guy. Like, this is a great problem to have. Right. You guys know it's right. perennial Jet when, fans. We're arguing when who the Jet hell can be the guy. E- now it's we got two Jet guys. Fans have we ever been able to debate about this guy or this guy on the offensive line? I love All it. Right. You know what it was? We've been bargain basement shopping for the past decade. And Joe Douglas finally took us to the to to the Westchester County Mall. All right, the White Plains Mall over there, and we walked into Nordstrom's for the first time. Well, like a t-shirt's like seventy-five bucks, and we're like, oh my god, you know, it's like we went from here, like under the chair, to now like we're here. And, and now, like, we're, 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 we don't know how to deal save, with it. We're from pick and save the Whole Foods, right? Like, right. <laughs> I have, it was a, I have it was a, it was a, organic. From the dumpster like the to A&P. <laughs> I was thinking it was like the conversation I had uh, two days ago with Harrison on Twitter. I was saying, isn't it great to just be having this conversation? We were talking about JFM. I was like, can he yep. play? Won't he play opposite Lawson? No, he's going to play on the inside. It's, you know, we were just having this crazy talk about where everyone's going to play. And I'm like, wow, I'm really happy to be having, you know, to have this yeah. conversation. Yeah, it was so much fun because we're like, you know, oh, maybe JFM's on the outside. Rankins is going to step up big. And you got Quinnen and you got Lawson. Oh, maybe yeah, JFM's yeah. on the inside and Curry. And he's got one of the, like JFM said, yep. he's got the fastest get off he's ever seen in his life. 33, that dude's not slowing down. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things. I think people are sleeping on Vinnie Curry. Like this guy still plays edge rusher at a top level. Mm-hmm. Like him They're and not Lawson only sleeping on, on Vinnie Curry, y'all scary. are sleeping on Jabari Zuniga. Remember, he's a four-three guy. I'm out on He's a four-three defensive end who was asked to play outside linebacker, and he can't do it because from his position, he plays better with his hand in his dirt. He plays better with the hand in the dirt as opposed to standing up. And that's all I'm going to say about who, who, that. I'd rather see Bryce Huff get the opportunity over who, who, him. I just who, feel like there's so much more potential. And, and, and this is my question. Who benefits more from uh, Quinn and missing time, uh, JFM or Bryce Huff? Or Zuniga? Uh, like I, I JFM didn't all and Rankins, all of them, because it's going to be yeah. a rotation. Maybe Foley, you Jimmy. What's your point? Best young run stoppers. I have two things to say on this. First, I need to I need to applaud Harrison real quick for two things. Number one, that was a great segment. I like That's it. Right. I'm looking right. forward to contributing with like talking about it. You know, moving forward. The other thing I need to applaud you on, Harrison is CJ is over there losing his mind, <laughs> and we still hear you talking. Composed. And CJ <laughs> is being drowned out That's by funny. Harrison talking. Now, <laughs> just wait till next as, time when I mute his microphone. <laughs> there you go. As far as the, the conversation on George Fant, everybody is still thinking in basic offensive line terms on this thing. Morgan Moses is just as athletic as George Fant, which is why we brought him in, and we got him for a fantastic deal. But also, remember, we are running a wide zone run game, and the guards' responsibilities are going to be to pull. I can see George Fant potentially getting that right guard spot because of that tackle ability that he has. So that's something to think about as well. Just so, just so. I would say that the question we all have to think about, and this is why initially I said it makes a lot more sense to make something out of George Fan than just watch him sit on the bench and wait to be the guy in case of injury, is think about this. So it's George Fan, a guy who's never played uh, guard before in his life. So over here, 
or Greg Van Roten, Cam Clark, Alex Lewis. I, I'm going to be honest. I think George Fant's worst at guard is still better than their best at guard. Sure. And if Possible. If that's the conversation at the end of the day, then maybe not so bad of an idea to put, as Joe Douglas said, and he said this at the draft, he wasn't saying this about George Fan or anything, but he said he plans on playing the best five starting five. Regardless, when they said, oh, is Vera Tucker going to play at left guard? Oh, uh, you know, he said, no, the best five will play. Who knows? Maybe he will play at left guard. I don't know. I take that same message when they brought in Morgan Moses and could slide Fan in. They're going to play the best five. And maybe... Again, fans worse is better than their best. So you're right. And I think it does translate more than people give credit for. Mm-hmm. It goes back to that Seattle mentality. Um, when Russell Wilson came into the league, they had just spent a whole lot of money on another quarterback. But they said in Seattle, it's a competition. Everything's a competition. And we know where Rob should be. Salah comes from, right? So I love that. Except story. that offensive line because there's no one there for them. Yeah. And again, I love that story. I wrote about it in a recent column for people who forget that. Matt Flynn was the guy. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Matt Flynn was the guy for Seattle. Yep, Matt Flynn. Great. Let's go with the Matt Flynn show. Then a month later in the draft, they're like, Russell Wilson, who? Yeah, let's just take a flyer. Maybe he could be a backup quarterback for a while in the third round. Then all of a sudden in camp, again, Flynn was the guy. Wilson steals the job, despite the fact they paid him $20 million and a lot of guarantees. They said, crap, we can't keep Russell off the field. It's the Russell show. Again, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Anything can change at any moment. That's, a, again, a great comparison, great analogy, and not enough people use. And then they yeah, never Paul, got like, him an offensive lineman again, ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but All Paul, right. like you said, that doesn't just show that. It also shows, you know, how much talent can be found throughout the draft. That's what makes good GMs such quality. Tad Prescott out of the fourth round as teams are whiffing on guys like Wentz and Goff. Talent can be found That's throughout Prescott. the draft. Dak Prescott, brother. Dak 2016. Prescott? I'm a Dak attack guy, too. I love Dak. Bro, Dak is the man. That was my guy. You know how I was, you know how I was in 2016. Everyone was, like, talking about the top of that class. I was like, the top of that class is crap. Dak was, was my guy. I wanted him in the second. Yeah, really, the only reason for people to forget about that, the reason why Dak slept, he had that DUI back in college, and a lot of people went, uh, character concerns. I never understand. I'm watching. I'm like, I'm watching this kid. I do my own QB eval. I'm like... He's so much more talented. I just didn't understand how that guy, he's big, he's not even in the conversation with Ackenberg. Like that, it didn't make, made no sense to me whatsoever. Dak Prescott folds like origami. Oh. Nope. Dak Prescott's the real yeah. deal, bro. Nah, no, he's not. And yes, he's he is. Now, he's going to prove it this year. Big mistake, Jerry Jones. All right. So now we're going to go around the room as we finish up our final thoughts. I want to start off with our guests tonight. First, we're going to start with Mr. Paul Edson Jr. Then we're going to swing on over to Jeremy. Harrison's going to give, give his uh, his final thoughts. And then Jimmy's going to take us home as we get ourselves moving. Oh, final thoughts. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, so final thoughts, guys. Again, thank you so much for having me on. We got to a lot of the things that were off the top of my chest uh, uh, from the nap at the beginning. Uh, was great. I'm just. I will just say this. I am excited for training camp. We haven't had preseason. We didn't have it at all last year. And, again, I already love preseason in general. So a lot of people are ready for preseason because they didn't get it last year. I'm ready for it because I just love it in general. I just love football. I'll be I'll be in the fourth quarter of preseason week three going, all right, go, Mike White. Figure it out, pal. I, I don't oh, care. Yeah. I love football. So I can't wait for that. I can't wait for the battles. I can't wait for the joint practices where Zach Wilson is getting deep, different defensive looks from the Eagles and the Packers. That's exciting. And I think more than anything, that week one Jets-Panthers game, I'm looking at my chops. I, I, I wish it was tomorrow. I'm so ready 
for this season again. Guys, anytime you guys want me on, this was a lot of fun. All right. So, Paul, really quick before we swing on over to Jeremy, please give out your social media information so fans of Weapons Hot can interact yeah. with you and follow you. Let's make it easy peasy, folks. Boy Green 2-5. Boy Green 2-5. Boy Green 2-5. A little more Boy Green 2-5 on the top of that. Sprinkle that in there. At Boy Green 2-5. B-O-Y. Green the color. 2-5. On all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Makes it real easy for you. Hit the like, hit the follow button. Appreciate it. All right. Jeremy, the floor is yours. Give us your final thoughts for tonight. Final thoughts. Um... Chris Herndon will make the squad, but he will not be the next George Kittle. Um, I think he's a better coach. <laughs> I think he's, he's the next George Kittle, man. You know, think, but that, that's a long shot, bro. <laughs> I think he's. The, I think he's going to make the squad because he finished off the season uh, last year okay, and he's never had the opportunity to have a real coaching staff. Um, Paul, know. we got to get you to become a Kenny Yabola. <laughs> So I, I don't not as much as Herndon, you know, may, you know, he may not be a George Kittle. Maybe he's, uh, you know, uh, uh, Travis Kelsey, a Darren Waller. He's close, but no Kittle. He's no Herndon guy. I'll tell you <laughs> that. But I do like Yeboa, too. I, th- uh, I hope Yeboa makes it because he won't make it th- um, through waivers. Well, I like um, I think Morgan Moses is going to be the starting right tackle. I hope Fant finds a role where he can contribute because I think he's a very talented player. Um, and I'm super excited about all the battles. Definitely. We have no idea how it's going to play out. All these battles in the secondary, the linebackers, who's going to start where? It's so much fun. They're all hungry. They're young. It's great. But one of the things we didn't talk about today, because I talked about Zach Wilson, the other guy I'm super excited about. I cannot wait till that first game when Elijah Moore just yes. makes Everybody pay. Every NFL team say, why did we pass on that guy? Just like, and you and you love these analogies, Paul, just like Thurman Thomas when he was picked on the bubble and he looked at the camera when they talked to him after he was picked in the second round by Buffalo and said, every NFL team is going to regret what they just did. All right. Don't forget to give out your social media information to fans <laughs> oh, of Weapon You can Todd find me on... Um, on Green Bean's website, I'm doing a quarterback chronicles where I'm chronicling all the rookie quarterbacks. I'm going to be following them all season. I get information, by the way. I, I'm not trying to. I'm trying to go on to other YouTube content providers for those teams. I'm trying to get the inside scoop of what they're saying. Like, what are their fans saying? The way we, the things that we're saying about our team, just to give that kind of insight. And when the season starts, I'll be following them as far as how they're doing and how their fans are reacting to them. Um, so you can find that on Green Bean's website. Also, if you want to see me suffer and eat hot sauce with my brothers, it's really kind of fun. We have a YouTube channel called Cravat Attack. It's just my name, Cravat Attack. And we basically eat um, hot sauces, famous hot sauces from hot ones like The Last Dab. And you can watch us suffer and burn our mouths off. And I'm, I'm the- down. You want to see me I look, suffer? I was so in for that. You don't even know. Right. Sounds entertaining. <laughs> Subscribe. Subscribe. And if I any would, of you want to be a guest on that show, by the way, my brother said, invite any of them. They could. That's what's good. Welcome okay. to be a oh, guest. Man, that sounds like fun. Yeah, I'm saying. I, and, and, and I'm, I'm a hot it. sauce guy. And I'm a hot sauce I'll guy. I'll do it. <laughs> like, I like hot. I like hot. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. So, Harrison, say your piece. Yeah, man, I'll keep it short and sweet. I just think it's important, you know, as we say, we're heading in the right direction. But one underappreciated aspect is 
for so many years prior, we saw with our past quarterback situation, yes, he had a lot of issues himself, but it's undeniable he wasn't supported. He wasn't given talent. There wasn't a good team put around him. There wasn't a good coach put around him. Now we have a good coach. We have quality. And look what Joe Douglas has done. He took the blindside left tackle in the last draft. That staple should have been an all-pro Mekhi Becton. Took Mims. This year, he got ADT in the draft, a future Pro, uh, pro bowler guard, best guard in the draft. Elijah Moore, like Jeremy said, people don't even know. Like, you don't know what they're like. The stats on this kid is ridiculous. Like, he is going to put people to shame. Another potential superstar right there. Michael Carter, he takes next, surrounding his quarterback with talent. And what does he do in free agency? He gets a wide receiver one in Corey Davis. He brings in Keelan Cole, who's now battling for the wide, re- two, wide receiver two spot. We are actually surrounding our quarterback with a talent of weapons to throw to an arsenal, a backfield, and an offensive line to protect him with three studs in Becton, AVT, and Moses. So this is exciting, and it's finally being done right. All right. So, Harrison, give out your social media information. You guys know where to find me. You know, I got my company, Take Flight Media. Where, you know, writing, reporting on the Jets. We've got our website, takefloodmedia.org. Find us on Twitter at myjetstfmedia. I uh, got my podcast on Mondays. You guys know, talking to all them Jets. Jeremy's been there. It's a lot of fun because I interact with you guys in the chat. You bring your comments, we talk, we laugh. It's a great time. So be there. That's the Take Flight Spitting Fire podcast. Appreciate all you guys. All right. Reaper, you're up. Say a piece. Chris Herndon is a complimentary tight end at best. And if you don't, if you sorry, don't, Paul, I'm with Jimmy. What the hell, man? What the hell? The heat is Tyler Croft with Cincinnati put up just as many yards as Herndon did. Hey, Paul, you already followed me back on Twitter, so I can rip them all I want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, if you don't believe me, look, go talk to Green Bean and talk to Top Billin on YouTube, and those, those guys know what they're talking about. Green Bean loved Pat Fryermuth. He wanted him like nobody's business. I wanted Pat Fryermuth as well. Overrated. In- oh. <laughs> no. Best, best overall best tight end in that draft, draft, bro. In the we'll, draft, we'll, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Best uh, overall. But, we'll see. We'll see. but look, uh, it's this is going to be a great year. I'm with Paul on this one. I love preseason. I get tired of seeing all the posts on Facebook about the season starting in 63 days. And I say, no, it's not. It's starting in 35 days. Okay. Cause that's what's happening, man. And coming up, we have, we have full on training camp. We're going to see our guys in pads for the first time. We're going to start being able to pop pads against was at Washington this year, right? That we're doing that, that practice against. We're going to start clapping on those guys. It is about to get real, and for all the gassing up that we've done over the last several months, you know, with with things like the draft and free agency sprinkled in there, we will finally have Jets football back, and I can't wait. Cannot wait. Uh, as far as my social media information, it's Jets by Jimmy everywhere, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, so I definitely appreciate the support. We are grinding we're we're almost to we're approaching 400 subs on youtube so i'm grinding i'm trying to get to that 1k mark so uh if you guys are out there if you're not subbed to the channel definitely hit me up on there i got a show coming up tomorrow with none other than mr jamie cravat as well appearing and uh, we're trying to get some other guests as well so uh, paul open invitation to you if you ever want to come on the channel i'd be more than happy to have you on uh but other than that guys 
I want to thank everybody for watching Weapons Hot. And thank you to CJ and Kevin for giving me my start in this. I never really thought I'd be doing this on a regular basis or on the in the capacity that I've done. And uh, I owe it to these guys. So I definitely appreciate you. All right. So, All right. Kevin, say your piece. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I know we, we've only got a few minutes. And please excuse me, um, CJ, you know, we, we've been battling my, my Internet company over here. And uh, my modem just rebooted, like, in the middle of the show. So I, I apologize about uh, my little uh, exit there for a second. Glad to be back. Um, I'm really not going to change until we actually see some real football. And my end is basically going to be the same, you know, and, until something else changes. But um, it is a hell of a time to be a Jets fan. I mean, real talk. Uh, CJ, we talk about this all the time, more than 40 years of fandom. Um, me personally, and I mean, I, I'd say this. Uh, because I know Jimmy hates when I say it. I, I, can, I can see him cringe when I say it. But every time I go and I watch the Jets live in person, they we, we win. We win. And I'm excited about that because I'm going to the game in Carolina. And I'm just going to say. Yeah, but you got me worried, bro. You got me worried. No, just no, no, no. Look, 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 look. And, 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 that's, and this, is, this is something that, and this is the reason why I, I, I was going to say that, is because I didn't even begin to speak about it until the eighth or ninth game, I think it was. It was the first time I actually said, I've never seen it just lose eye. And then I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to tell you what happened. I said, you know what? I'm going to jinx myself. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to, the next game I go to, I, I, I guarantee we're going to lose. And then I went to Atlanta and I watched Geno Smith ball and we won the game. And then, the, and then I got more tickets. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Miami. You know what I'm saying? We're going to look Miami. It, 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 it should be a good game. What have you? And I said, but you know what? It's us. It's me. I'm going to the Jets game. I've never seen the Jets lose. We're gonna we're gonna lose. We're probably gonna lose. Perfect game by Geno Smith. And a win. I said it again. Oh my God. I, I, we're going to another game. Oh man, but never seen the Jets lose. I'm gonna tell you right now, this is what's gonna happen. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick's gonna lose. And 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 I go to the bathroom, I come back, and I'm walking down, I'm walking down the steps on my way back to the seat, and I watch Ryan Fitzpatrick throw a touchdown to Eric Decker in the back of the end zone, literally a few feet away from my seat and I screamed my head off. I couldn't talk for four days, but I'm telling you right now, every single time I say it, we win anyway. I'm going, we're going to win. Point blank period. That's a wrap. You're not going to convince me of anything else until something else happens. That's what it is. It's a hell of a time to be a Jets fan. I'm so excited about the, 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 the direction of the team. I think every single person on this panel at some point in time tonight has pointed to something that literally is so far beyond where it is that we've been that you kind of have no choice but to feel really good about not only where it is that we're at now, but where yeah. it is that we're going to end up over the course of the next few years. So, I, look, I, I, I don't want to continue to, to, to kind of throw it out, but I will just say this. If, if you're not excited right now, if you're looking at this from, you know, a pessimist point of view or you're feeling like, uh, you know, the same old Jets and, and get ready for, the, for us to, to go off track, whatever – I think you're kind of missing the point. Everything is different. Everything is different. And I mean, even the argument that I hear about, oh yeah, this is a two and 14 team. No, it's not. Because everything that, that created that two and 14 is no longer here, right? So it's a hell of a time to be a Jets fan. My guys, if you're gonna be in Carolina, hit me up. I'm coming to everybody's tailgate. I'm spreading the love. We're gonna take pictures. We're gonna do all of that. Just let me know where you're at and be there early. I'm trying to get my brother to come with me. Y'all already know that some of the folks, y'all know who my brother is. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Spotty Blackman, um, Facebook uh, with the New York Jets Hub. I, I admin on on the New York Jets Hub. 
Um, again, my brother, William Jackson, or Ben Jackson, you'll see him in there. Um, I have Instagram, but you ain't going to want to go there. It's pictures of my kids. Um, other than that, go Jets, man. I'm so ready. I'm thankful we had Paulie on tonight. I'm thankful we had Jeremy on tonight. Jeremy, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to follow your stuff. Uh, Paul, I've been following your stuff. You already know. Um, I, matter of fact, I think one of the first shows you ever did was with us when I was with Robbie, Robbie Jersey, right? That's right. Like, like mad years ago. Okay, so look, OG, OG in the game right now. Follow Paulie's stuff. Paulie's got, look, CJ does an awesome job. Jimmy, uh, uh, look, even even Harrison. Man, Harrison, we always have dope guests. Like, our guests are always bomb. <laughs> I'm spoiled. I'm, I'm spoiled. Over here. Look, I am. Well, I'm spoiled because it's because, a surprise. No, Holy because, crap. No, Look at because, that. No, Harrison's new, but Harrison's bringing in quality guys, man. You know, look, I'm not, I'm not mad. That's what I'm saying. And uh, look, weapons hot. Y'all already know how it is. Next week. Are we, uh, we doing after dark next week, CJ? Yeah. Next week we're going to do after yeah, dark man. after the uh, worldwide sports radio network show. Uh, Cause we'll actually have something to talk about as New York Jets training camp opens up on July 27th. So I'm going to take us home. Plain and simple. Here we are. Follow the show on Twitter at CNC Jets Factor. You can follow me at JetsFan0523. My partners in crime and my entire squadron here, they already gave you your social media. Don't forget to follow Weapons Hot on Facebook. Hit that like button. Go to YouTube. Search up Weapons Hot after dark. Like and subscribe. And just follow the train as we steamroll toward training camp. So, for Mr. Paul Edson Jr., Mr. Jeremy Cravat, Mr. Kevin Spotty Blackman Jackson, Harrison the Fireball Glazer, and Jimmy the Reaper Jardine with his brand new edition that he's showing off in the camera there. Cutie, yes, cutie pie. Cutie pie. We this gotta is, get him a name. That's it. This is CJ the Painkiller D. Simone signing off. We'll see you guys when we see you guys, and I'm gonna leave you guys tonight, which still, in my opinion, is the best chant in the National Football League. <laughs> Peace, love, go Jets. And again, thoughts and prayers to the Knapp family as they go through their uh, their very difficult time. Wise Guys is up next on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network.